And those are the headlines this evening. What a depressing society we live in, Jana. And speaking of depressing, let's shoot it over to Shane Bolt for this week's Christmas forecast. Thanks, Jenna. It does seem like there's a high pressure system coming our way, as we see right here on the map. Speaking of high pressure, Mitch, I never got a response to see if you're going to be joining me for church this Christmas. What is happening? Looks like Shane just invited Rick to church. Hey, guys, you're live. Um, uh, so, Christmas forecast um, looks like <laughs> uh, how about it, Shane? Is there any snow in the forecast? The weather calls for a silent night, but a holy night. There is a heavenly peace coming in from the north. It just begs the question, Mitch. You want to come to church with me? Back to you. I will, I will have to speak to my wife when we're not on live TV. <laughs> Should we go to commercial? All right, but you better make up your mind because church service fills up quick. What do you say? Come on, come to church with me. Back to you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Breaking news. Seems like Mitch just left baby Jesus out in the cold. Good morning, Gretna. It's Pastor Rob. Yes, it can be awkward sometimes to invite people to join you in chasing Jesus. But if but if you're here today watching this or or you're with us in person in church, it's because somewhere, somehow, Jesus has indicated to you or given you reason to follow him or to at least look into it, kick the tires, so to speak. And the truth is, this series... Behold, a Savior comes that we're going through here during Advent. This series really is all about celebrating and pointing to the reason for our faith and the reason that you're here watching or that you're here with us in person. That is that a faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior allows us to see the world and experience it differently than we would without him. And most importantly, it gives us an eternal hope that cannot be found literally anywhere else. In the first week of this series, we talked about faith and how it allows us to move into a future that we cannot see with a hope that cannot be shaken. Last week, we talked about great joy. It's the kind of joy that, as S.D. Gordon said, joy has its, it, that has its springs deep down inside, and that spring never runs dry no matter what happens and only Jesus gives that kind of joy. This week we're going to talk about yet another aspect or upside, I suppose, a benefit of following Jesus, and that is peace. The kind of peace that can only be brought by the Prince of Peace himself. That term, the Prince of Peace, was coined about the Savior, the coming Savior, Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 
6 and 7. I'm going to read those two verses real quick out of the ESV. It says this. It says, for, uh, for to us a child is born. He's repeating what he wrote in, in Isaiah chapter 7. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It's what Isaiah prophesied would happen upon the Savior's arrival. But if you live in our world today, you recognize a couple of things. One, our Savior came 2,000 years ago. Two, peace is still very hard to find. <laughs> peace is still very hard to find. We live in a world where violence is pervasive and it still seems to be the way in which many of us feel like we need to resolve our issues or get things done, especially when we're upset or scared. We treat one another sometimes with animosity and anger. Those are clearly the opposites of peace. It's hard to see that peace. So where is this peace that God promises and that we as followers of Christ believe that God has offered through Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus himself promises this peace in John chapter 14. If we read verse 27, the first half of it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Jesus is saying, look, when I pass on, when I move on, to, when I ascend unto heaven, I'm going to leave with you, my people, my disciples, a peace that I have brought into this world and that I'm leaving for you. But he also gives it clarity. He says in the second half of the verse, he says, not as the world gives it, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. This is, this is a peace that only comes with eternal certainty, that he will establish his kingdom. It is a peace that comes, as the late Billy Graham said, from knowing your future does not hinge on the world situation. However grim it might become, it depends on what happened 2,000 years ago at the cross and your acceptance or rejection of the Prince of Peace. What Jesus promises is this sense of what the Hebrews would have called shalom. That word in ancient Hebrew means peace. It means it conveys a wholeness, a completeness. Joshua uses it in Joshua chapter 8 uh, verse 31 to describe uncut stones that were used to build an altar to God. In 2 Kings 20, we see it described as this wholeness or completeness of heart in our commitment to God. It's the filling of that hole that we try to stuff all kinds of things into, the square peg and the round hole analogy of sticking things in there, trying to fill this hole in our heart and our soul, trying to make sense of, of life, make sense of our feelings, make sense of our direction and our purpose. When the truth is, that kind of wholeness, that shalom only comes from including God himself. And, and that, that word inclusion also describes shalom. In 1 Chronicles 19, he uses it as kind of a with. This wholeness, this shalom comes with a relationship in God. In Greek, 
which most of the New Testament is written in, it's the word is Irene. It's not shalom anymore, although it conveys many of the same things. It also adds to it this notion of unity and of being in one accord. It's this idea that even if the crazy, the world is messed up and the world is broken and the world is torn asunder and truth be known, I do believe that God will establish this earthly peace or this eternal peace that is the kind that we expect, the one that lacks violence and that and then has connection and shalom, the, the kind of peace the world we hope will have. I believe it will. But in the meantime, Jesus has left us with an opportunity to have peace despite the fact that the world still remains a hot mess. God's peace, I think, is wonderfully displayed in the actions of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, we see the disciples and Jesus traveling across the ocean. As I read the story out of the ESV, you might remember it if you've had a connection to Christ over the years. If not, this may be new to you, but but let's listen to the story. It says in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 8, again, out of the ESV, it says, and when we got into the boat. When he got in the boat, that would be Jesus. His disciples followed him and behold, there's that behold word we've been working on, right? This idea of the author saying that it's it's not just, not, not just see this, you have to see this, but understand what it means. This is something big coming up. And it says, there arose a great storm in the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he, Jesus, was asleep. And they went and woke him and saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? We see the contrast here between uh, those who really have this peace of God. That would be Jesus, who's able to sleep through the midst of this, knowing, knowing the outcome is already taken care of. It's going to be fine. And yet his disciples are scared. They're scared by the sheer grandeur of this storm. God is, is present with them and they're still frightened. Why do you think that is? I, I think it's because we struggle. We struggle with holding on to our earthly conditions and not recognizing or keeping our eye on the eternity that lies ahead. Finding this peace that, that God is demonstrating here first means being in God's presence, though. You have to be present with him. It says they were in the boat with him. But before that, the disciples followed him where he wanted them to go. In other words, they didn't wait for God to show up. They went where God was already going. They went to him. He said, I'm going here. Are you coming? And so they did. I do wonder as I read this story, do you think they knew that it was going to storm? Out here in the in the cornfield, uh, the prevailing winds, and I was discussing this with a member last week, the prevailing winds come out of the Southwest. You know most of the time, if it's especially if the wind's coming from that direction, that whatever's right over that way, you're probably invariably going to get as weather sometime soon. So if it's raining over St. Paris, it's probably coming here soon. <laughs> and so you can see, you can predict what's coming. And if you live here long enough, 
you get a good eye for it. Now, I will tell you this, I get really concerned when it's coming out of the Northeast because I assume that things are all messed up and the jet stream is a mess and it's going to get ugly fast. But these men, Jesus' disciples, remember that they have, most of them have spent their life on this body of water, fishing this body of water. And their, their fathers and their fathers before them have passed down how to, how to see it coming how to read the signs of what the weather was going to provide or not provide, whether or not it was going to be good or bad to go out and go fishing. I think they probably knew the storm was coming. And I say that because just before this section, in Matthew 8, verses 18 through 22, the disciples ask him, they go, what about following you? We will follow you anywhere. And he says, look, there's a cost to following me. It's not going to be easy. In fact, in verse 20, he says, And Jesus said to them, Foxes have holds and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He makes it abundantly clear, literally literally in the four verses before this part. Hey, I'm going somewhere. I want you to follow me, but the storm is still going to be there. Whether you stay on land and don't get in the boat, the storm is coming. Whether you get it or if you get in the boat and come with me, the storm is still coming. But if you're not in the boat, you don't have an opportunity to see what he's able to do and to experience what is really the peace of God, what he is demonstrating in the midst of this time. Dave Ramsey's a, a financial advisor, and, and one of the things that he says is remember. Ultimately, there's ultimately only one way, he says, to financial peace. I would just say to peace in general, that, that shalom or that irene, that, that wholeness, that completeness, that sense of calm in the midst of the storm. That, and there's only one way to this peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. That's to be present with him and where he is and in what he is doing and what he is calling you to do. They also get to see God's control demonstrated from this boat, right? Just can you imagine that? Can you imagine being in such a storm that things are, you're afraid you're going to die and the person you're hoping will save you from it is asleep. (laughs) I just can't even imagine that. And it's like he just gets up and goes, no, none of this. I'm done with this. And immediately it just stops. If only. I can't, I can't get my kids to react that way, let alone the weather, right? Or my dog doesn't do that either. It takes more than one try, and I just see Jesus standing up and going, done, I'm finished, we're done with this, thank you, I'm going back to sleep, have a nice day. They get to see God's control even of the weather, even of the weather. They also get to see, importantly, God's perspective in this. Jesus is able to sleep, I believe, because he knows eternity is taken care of. He knows the story and where things are going and where they are headed. He knows even what he's about to experience, but he knows that it's worth it. And he knows that the Father has promised not only him, but all of his people that eternity, that eternity of peace, of shalom, of fullness, of completeness, of presence with him. It's no wonder to me that God sent a baby then rather than a soldier. 
a human being in its most vulnerable state. Who would take that risk but someone who knew the outcome? But someone who knew eternity was in the balance and eternity was already set in God's eyes and God's mind for those who follow him. Only God could have pulled that off. The disciples in this moment on the boat were struggling to experience the peace of God because they weren't willing to recognize that ultimately the eternity is God's to determine and God's to control. We like to delude ourselves into believing that we are somehow in control. But that seems to bring us nothing short of anxiety and anger and worry and fear. All of those things that Jesus says, look, this peace that I leave with you, don't worry. Don't be afraid. It's not this temporary thing that, that you have to control or delude yourself into believing you're controlling. It's something I'm offering you, but you've got to trust in me and you've got to trust that I'm going to provide it for you. As the disciples learned, that means being in his presence. That means recognizing that God is in control. And, and something great about putting God in control means we recognize, we exchange hope in our broken selves and in a broken world for hope in an everlasting God. That's a trade worth making. So how do you start to do that? How do you start to experience that kind of hope? Well, I'm going to grab a piece of text out of the book of Philippians that has served me well so many times over the years in the midst of whatever those challenges might be, whether they be like Dave Ramsey was talking about financial issues or they be emotional issues or health issues or family issues, whatever that may be, finding peace in the midst of the storm. Paul writes in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be known to God and the peace of God, there's our peace, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It, it begins with giving him control. And again, I really believe that if you're here today, you're here today because you've recognized that in some way, shape, or form, you're not in control. Maybe life feels like it's spinning out of control. Maybe you can't find any kind of peace at all, but I'm telling you that the season we celebrate now, the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we call it Christmas, it is hopefully at its best, designed to remind us that the Prince of Peace has already come to earth, that he provides it and offers it for his disciples right here and right now in this time and this place, and that he will, be, he will establish his permanent kingdom of peace for all eternity for those who are with him. And we want you to be there too. It's that simple. If you have any interest in exploring what it means to follow Christ or follow him closer, or if you already count yourself as a follower and are struggling to find that peace, I encourage you first to approach God. But if you need us, know that we are here. We don't do an online ministry and we don't uh, meet together in the church for any reason other than we want to bring glory to God and strengthen one another. We are better together and we know it. So please reach out to us. You can find us via email, phone, snail mail, 
let us know. Go to our website. We would love to talk to you about what it means to find peace in Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and may he give you peace. God bless.